This is With Intrepid Heart Sermons, sermons by Rev. Adam Moline of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. In our gospel lesson for today, we hear a famous account of two individuals and their eternal destination, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, these two men live their lives right next to each other. They see each other every single day. After all, they live almost in the exact same place. The rich man lives in his Roman domus, or mansion, and Lazarus lives in the street. In fact, the text says he's been cast there right outside the rich man's door. And while they live right next to each other, day in and day out in their earthly lives, their eternal outcomes are actually quite different. And the reason that their eternal destination is different is because in their lives, there's something dramatically different. Their faith. To show you this, let's look at these two individuals in the way that the scriptures describe them. First off, we have the rich man. Note that we do not know his name. It is not written down for us in the Holy Scriptures. It is forgotten, if you will, in God's Word. Notice also the things that the Scriptures use to describe what is important in this man's life. It starts by saying he feasts sumptuously every day. It goes on and says, he wears the very finest of clothes, made from the finest of cloth and cut in the finest of shape. They're even imperial purple, the same color that the Roman Senate and the emperor wore. This rich man dresses like a king. He's in style. 
And that's it. Those are the important things that Holy Scripture tells us about this rich man. And these things are important because they tell us his largest and most important concerns in his life. It tells us the things he worships. His wealth, his mansion, his clothes, his expensive food. Compare this to the poor man. He lays in the doorway of the rich man's house, meaning that the rich man would have to see him every single day. This man is covered in wounds, some sort of disorder causing open, festering, diseased injuries. The man is hungry and sick. He's so weak, in fact, that dogs come and lick his wounds, and he doesn't even have enough strength to shoo them away. And he sees that rich man, and he desires to eat the leftovers that fall from the rich man's table. Just like the Canaanite woman who confessed her faith that all she wanted was a crumb from the Lord, All this man wants are the leftovers. But his desires are never fulfilled as he suffers and starves outside the door of the rich man's house. And notice something else about this poor man. We know his name. We know his name because it is written down for us in the Holy Scriptures. It is written by God in the book of life. And for this reason, we learn about the most important distinction between the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus. Faith. Lazarus believes God's word. Lazarus has his name written in God's book of life. In fact, his name even confesses the truth of who God is. It is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Eleazar. It means the Lord is my help. Lazarus' name confesses what he believes. But the rich man takes God for granted. The rich man trusts instead in his wealth. The rich man's name is not written in the book of life. It is forgotten. So over the course of time, both of them die, as all people must When Lazarus dies, God sends his angels down to bear him to his eternal home of peace and comfort and joy. When Lazarus dies, he's with God. But when the rich man dies, he is left. He receives exactly from God what he has earned by his lack of faith. The rich man goes to hell. 
Now, in hell, the rich man is in eternal torment, so bad that even his tongue feels like it is constantly burning. And now, he is the one with desires. In fact, the desires are reversed. Lazarus is comforted, but the rich man desires to be comforted. Before, Lazarus desired what the rich man had. Now the rich man desires what Lazarus has. Lazarus feasts sumptuously on the food of heaven, the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom. Lazarus is clothed with baptismal robes that cover all of his sin with the righteousness of Christ. And the rich man, well... Now he has nothing. Now he desires what Lazarus has. He desires heaven. This desire has awoken within him too late to do any good. Once you're in hell, there is no escape. Once you have died... There's no chance for repentance. So why? Let's be very clear. Why did the rich man go to hell? And why did Lazarus go to heaven? It was not because God punishes rich people. It is not because they had different personalities. One was cruel and one was kind. It's not because God forechooses some to go to hell and forechooses others to go to heaven. The reason Lazarus was saved and the rich man was not is because of faith. Lazarus believed God's word. The rich man believed in himself. The reward for Lazarus' faith was heaven. The reward for the rich man's lack of faith was hell. And it's this way for every single person who has ever lived on earth, or who will ever live on earth. Everyone who has lived and died is judged on their faith. And those who have it are saved, and those who do not go to hell. Well, pastor, how do you know that the rich man didn't have faith. Let me turn that question around. If he did have faith, how would you know? Hear the words of our epistle lesson. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And it goes on and says, whoever loves God must also love his brother. 
So, how do we know that the rich man did not have faith? If he did have faith, would he have stepped every day of his life over the poor, sick, dying man at his doorway? No. He would have stopped and helped him. If he had faith, would he have feasted sumptuously, sitting mere feet from a man who was starving to death? No, he would have helped him. If he had faith, would he have worn the finest of clothing and had a closet full of it while someone was naked, covered in sores, being licked by stray dogs outside his door. If he had faith, you'd expect him to be more like the Good Samaritan, more like Jesus. Now, just to be clear, doing these things, feeding the poor and the hungry, helping the sick and the needy, would not have saved him in themselves. But if he had faith, he would have done these things. They would have testified to his faith that he believed God's word, what Moses and the prophets had written, what the Holy Scriptures had taught. But this man did not believe. This man cared only for himself. The rich man didn't have faith. Or as James writes, faith without works is dead. Now this is important for us to understand because the truth is, we Christians sometimes live like the rich man, don't we? We live in the richest country that has ever existed in the world. And even if we're not the richest person here, we are still in the top 1% wealth-wise in the entire world. We have the hope of eternity earned by Jesus Christ. But sometimes... We act and we live like that's not true. We hoard for ourselves rather than sharing the gifts God has given with the people around us. We fill our closets with clothes that we never wear, garages with stuff that we can't even get out and see. Don't care for the fellow Christians sitting across the sanctuary. We forget that all of the things we have are ultimately a gift from God. Don't you know how many things your Lord has given to you? Don't you realize why he has done so? Not for you to serve yourself but for you to serve those around you. 
Consider the first commandment. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. But when we examine ourselves, what do we find? We fear the things that are out there in the world, like illness or disease. And so we avoid those who are sick, who are suffering. We take our elderly and we put them in homes and never visit We cover our faces when we're around someone who sneezes so that we won't die. But we never care for them. We hoard up the things of this life because we love them. We like them. We like them a lot. We want them for ourselves. What happens when we die? The estate sale that gets rid of all of our stuff at far less than we purchased it for it shows the value of it in the end. And trust. Who do we trust above all? We trust that we have enough to take care of me and mine. And we keep back from God and from those who need our assistance. We live like the rich man. Not always as people of faith should. So do we have faith? Do we believe? Lord, we do believe. Help our unbelief. How do we get more faith? How do we believe even stronger? The rich man in hell is essentially asking that question of Abraham, isn't he? How do I get my five brothers who are still alive on earth to believe so that they don't come to hell where I am? Can't Lazarus go and warn them? Can't you go and warn them, Abraham? No. God already has. God's already spoken to every person who is alive in this world. How? Through Moses and the prophets. Through the Holy Scriptures through the Word of God recorded for us. In that Word, God teaches us our sin. In that Word, God teaches us the hope for sinners, that He will come and take on flesh and bleed and die in our place, that He will rise from the dead so that we too can live forever that He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, that He goes to prepare a place for us so that where God is, we may be also. God's Word teaches this clearly. The rich man doesn't think that's enough. Sometimes neither do we. rich man says, even if someone would go from the dead, then they'll believe. 
Dear friends in Christ, someone has. Jesus. He rose from the dead. He appeared alive after being crucified and killed. He was brutally beaten. He was murdered for the sins of the world with wounds far more severe than Lazarus's ever wore. He was nailed to the cross, stabbed with a spear, and yet still rose from the dead. You could even put your fingers through the nail holes, and it wouldn't bother him a bit. He showed himself to the Christians. And what did they do? They wrote it down. They wrote it down in the Holy Scriptures. Moses, the prophets, and now the Gospels and the epistles of the New Testament. All of these bring us Jesus. All of these show us what our eternal hope is. We believe the scriptures. It is through the scriptures that the truth of God comes to us. Before we had heard God's word, we were like the rich man. We were consumed with ourselves, whether we were rich or poor. But through the scriptures, God has given us faith. Through the scriptures, we have been called, gathered, and enlightened into God's possession. Through the scriptures, we have heard that what Jesus did, he did for us. Dear friends in Christ, that's why we come here. To hear the scriptures read. To hear the scriptures expounded in the sermon. To hear the scriptures in the liturgy. In the hymns that we sing. This is why we come to church. Where God's word is connected to water. Clothing us in the clothes of heaven. Just like Lazarus wears. To be eating the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bread and wine combined with God's word. The very feast of heaven. In these things we receive forgiveness for our sins here. And the promise that when we die, it will not be our end. When we die, we will be born by the angels of God to our eternal home. And knowing that, we're free here on earth to live like Christians. To no longer hoard our stuff, but to use it to care for the people God places in our life. We're free to love them, to visit them. Show compassion on them. To be good Samaritans to them. To be little Jesuses to them. You see, all of these ideas are summed up in that hymn that we just sang. 
Did you catch it? Earth has no pleasure that I desire to have because heaven, even if it's empty, is so much better. You, Lord, have bought me with your precious blood and will not forsake me. You have given me my body and soul and all I have, and you've set me free to love and serve my neighbor. And the last verse is the best verse of all. Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom bear me home that I may die unfearing. And in its narrow chamber, a coffin, keep my body safe in peaceful sleep until thy reappearing. And then from death awaken me that these my eyes with joy may see, O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my fount of grace. It's a prayer for God to give us faith to live as Christians and to receive the reward Christ promises. Dear friends, that's what's ahead. Peace, comfort, joy, eternally, because God is our help who brings it about. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This has been With Intrepid Heart Sermons by Pastor Adam Moline. The words, With Intrepid Hearts, come from the conclusion to the Book of Concord where it is written, By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession, and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it.